0: Good afternoon, and welcome to the Middle East Forum speaker webinar series and podcast. I'm Stacy Roman, and I will be moderating this discussion today. We're pleased to have Steve Emerson, director of the Investigative Project on Terrorism, join us to discuss, does the third Lebanon-Israel war lie ahead? Mr. Emerson will speak for 15 minutes and open it up for questions. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the Q&A box located at the bottom of your screen to type out your question. And with that, I will turn the discussion over to Mr. Steve Emerson.
1: Thank you, Stacey. I I see we have a a guest named Alfred E. Newman. He's a nom de guerre for a very uh, distinguished scholar at the uh, Investigative Project on Terrorism. Uh, And I appreciate the invitation and the opportunity today. We're gonna be quick today. Uh, I'm gonna speak for about maximum 15 minutes and then we'll open up for Q&A. So without further ado, Let's move on to the first slide. This is the worst case scenario envisioning what might happen uh, under the worst case conditions or scenarios should a war erupt between Lebanon and Israel. As you know Lebanon um, has been making rather threatening sounds lately. lately it's equipped with incredible amount of uh, long range, short range arsenals that uh, can reach every square inch of Israel. Israel has a, also a very advanced missile defense system, um, and it's a powder keg. And um, one false move can cause um, what we call an unplanned escalation. But there are other scenarios in which there could be a surprise attack by Hezbollah that was. Uh, Easily envisioned by Hezbollah by uh, when Israel discovered all those tunnels uh, in the last couple of years that were incredibly well dug down at least uh, a half a mile underneath uh, Lebanese soil, going in maybe three quarters of a mile, a mile into Israel, and then almost reaching upwards. Um, I'm not going to go into the exact distance, but thankfully they were discovered by Israel. I think there were as many as five tunnels discovered by Israel. The plan was by Hezbollah to invade through these tunnels, attack northern communities, probably capture and take hostage hundreds of civilians and bring them back to Lebanon. In that case, there would have been a full-blown war. Israel itself is living under a, a threat situation that grows dire by the day as more and more missiles are smuggled into Lebanon and are retrofitted with advanced GPS systems. And then of course you have a situation with uh, uh, other fronts entering the picture. As you can see on the right, you, the Iraqi militias now have the capability of striking Israel, uh, Syria, Uh, through the Iranian militias and Hezbollah militias can strike Israel and of course Gaza uh, uh, through Hamas and Islamic Jihad and also now the Houthis have the capability of reaching a lot. So that's a five pronged multi-front war under the worst case scenario. I'm not saying it's going to happen, there's no certainty at all, obviously deterrence is the is the key word but deterrence depends upon rationality and rationality doesn't always reign supreme among some of those actors next slide okay so um, just to go over the major areas of conflict where uh, um, the major arsenals or the tools of the conflict um, what are prized, uh, what are most vulnerable, the strategic targets in Israel, of course, will go over, that ranges everything from air bases, to the power plants, um, to the nuclear reactors, uh, to the uh, natural gas uh, plants in the Mediterranean. Um, There's the missile defense system, there's the use of a cyber war, and of course, the worst case scenario, the worst of the worst, is the multi-front war, um, which would be, uh, I did not include Iran in this situation. Uh, my presumption is that if Iran entered a war with Israel and it could, um, the US would feel obli- obligated to enter the war at that point. So Iran would rather stick it, uh, stay out and use its proxies which is armed very nicely to the teeth um, and to which Israel does not have, as we can see, a 100% defense against Hexta. Okay, so Nasrallah has given some speeches, uh, one in in January, I think uh, 2019, uh, another one uh, last year. He's named actually his his hit list of targets and everybody knows what they are. and you can see on the maps on the both left and right, um, and in the middle the, the listing of what they are, it, it, and it's, it's, it's no secret what he, what he would be aiming at. It would be everything from the Big Murray Airport and the, the Damona Reactor, um, uh, the, uh, the Israeli Air Force bases, uh, the Israeli Ministry of Defense, Known as the Kirya in, in Tel Aviv, of water desalination plants, the gas production, uh, oil production, military facilities, and you can see uh, on the on the right um, the uh, the missiles that would be used um, from the Katushas uh, up on the very top uh, down to to the Fodgers, Kybers Uh, And we'll get into what these mean in terms of their capabilities, the warheads, meaning how much explosives they can carry. And uh, considering that the Katushas that had traditionally been fired by Hamas against Israel carried only maybe uh, eight pounds of explosives, and we saw what damage they could do in Steyrot if they hit a target. and they were wildly inaccurate. Uh, the most advanced missiles, as we will discuss, we'll see, by Hezbollah, um, which have advanced GPS systems on them, can carry payloads of hundreds of tons of pounds of high explosive uh, that can uh, literally do massive, uh, massive damage. Um, I mean, take out. Entire uh, blocks, uh, buildings in a, in a single blow. Um, the the Scud missiles that we saw hit Israel back in 1981, I believe, that hit Tel Aviv. I think one or several hit Tel Aviv and took out buildings. Unfortunately, there weren't any casualties. But um, the those are tame compared to what Hezbollah has today. Um, so this will be up on a, on a on permanently up on on a Middle East Forum, you know, uh, a channel YouTube channel. So you'll be able to study it. Let's move on to the next one. Okay. So Hezbollah's rocket arsenal is one of the most advanced rocket arsenals uh, held held by any Middle Eastern country uh, today, any European country today. I. I suppose, um, I'd have to be corrected here, whether the the United States is probably the only, one of the only countries that can rival Hezbollah. In terms of their missiles, estimated to be 130 to 150,000 missiles. Uh, As you can see on the left side, on the bottom left, they they range from short range, which is less than 70 kilometers, about 50 miles, uh, to long range, less than 200, Um, and 50 kilometers maybe. So they can hit every square inch of Israel. You can see on the map, um, the the ranges, and you can see the amount of time actually that it would take to strike Israel once they were launched from Lebanon. Um, So Tel Aviv would take 75 seconds to hit a target once it was launched. Uh, to hit a lot would take 195 seconds. To hit anything short of uh, Tel Aviv would take as little as 50 seconds. Um, As far as PGMs, which is precision guided missiles, no one knows exactly how many uh, the uh, Hezbollah has been able to retrofit, but it's estimated to be at least 500 to 1000, which means that on those long range missiles, which could be on the, if you look on the right side, uh, the Zelzal-2, which can carry payloads of, um, sorry, we we just lost here, let's go back, Um, payloads of um, uh, hundreds of of pounds of explosives, that can do very serious damage. Massive damage Uh, I'm not going to get into the destructive power, but let's just say it it can hit with precision. Um, And the we'll talk again in another slide about what Israel has to defend against it, but. Up on the left hand corner that's a headline from the recent Jerusalem post by uh, a quote by an IDF general saying in a future war, Israel will be hit by 2000 missiles a day. Um, Now um, we'll go into the scenario of what that means and whether in fact the Israeli defense system that they've set up through their anti-missile system can actually uh, defend against that type of assault. Let's go on to the next slide. Okay, Uh, again, this is again, another very intensive slide so I'm not gonna get into the, to the uh, intensive details of it. It's more of an elaboration of the previous slide. The left slide is something you can, if you have trouble sleeping, uh, this will either uh, keep you up at night or it'll make you go to sleep. So uh, either one, uh, that's the left uh, Excel sheet, basically describing the Hezbollah we- weapon system. Everything from their payload to their range um, uh, and um, to the number, uh, estimated number that they have. Uh, On the right side, of course, is again uh, a visualization of, you know, their capabilities. How how fast, how long it would take to launch? Again, uh, a long-range precision guidance Scud missile. Uh, which is uh, could take 195 seconds, not a long time, um, but enough time for people to get into a uh, shelter. Uh, But if it was going into Jerusalem, uh, that's only 75 seconds. Again, these are not a long time. If there was a massive assault, um, it, it would cause, it would not be the situation as you would have, let's say, in uh, southern Israel, where there is more time under the Iron Dome uh, when, when it uh, rings out uh, for people to get into a uh, less vulnerable position, either into a shelter or in, in, into a, a building, under a safe part of a building. Let's move on. Okay, this is the Israeli defense missile system here. Um, and it, it, it consists of, f- the missile system is really the heart, the first part of defending against the, the missiles, which is the Iron Dome. And when it says 10,000, it's the number of uh, missiles it has that the Iron Dome can, can launch. The David Sling, um, the Arrow 2 and the Arrow 3, which are more recent highly advanced uh, uh, anti-missile systems, um, which are ballistic missile systems. Um, And on the right side, you can see the chart in terms of their capabilities, uh, in terms of what they're directed against, what they're designed to defend against, but their ranges and everything. Now, what it doesn't tell you is what would happen under a scenario in which there were 2000 missiles uh, launched at Israel in one day um, because we know from prior experiences with uh, Hamas or the Islamic Jihad launching uh, a, a high frequency of rockets against Israel uh, in, uh, in the last uh, year and a half it overcame the Iron Dome. It simply was not able to uh, uh, keep up with the missiles and the frequency of missiles and the number of missiles was too much. So the the problem here, and Israeli generals have admitted in fact that were 2000 missiles to be launched every day the majority, first of all, would not be precision-guided, but they would be um, launched and any number could hit uh, randomly a civilian or a defense target. Again, um, the Israeli defense missile system, those operating would have to decide by the trajectory whether in fact to try to shoot it down or not. But uh, if we're talking about 2000 missiles, it would be fairly divided between long range, short range, and middle range. Um, certainly, the Israelis do not have the capability of, of, of striking all of them, or even half of them, nor would they have to because if, if most of them are random, uh, as most of the rockets that are launched against southern Israel by Hamas, the Iron Dome is needed only in about 30-35% of the rockets and missiles uh, launched against Israel by Hamas and Islamic Jihad. That is those that the, uh, the IDF can determine whose trajectory is likely to land on a civilian or a strategic target. Now, this does not include something else, which is um, the Israeli ability Um, uh, through their aircraft to hit 3,000 launchers in a day. We'll see that in the next slide. Um, But also the Israeli ability to protect itself. Now only um, a a third of all uh, Israelis have uh, shelters and that is a problem. But then again, there are parking lots, there are built in there are multiple uh, lo- big shelters that are built in other areas uh, so the the lack of every home to have a shelter does not fairly convey the the issue that uh, of vulnerability there's less vulnerability than that would than that statistic would betray itself okay let's move on okay so you can see up in the right-hand corner, this is a headline from the from the Jerusalem Post. In the message to Hezbollah, this is from the February 16th of this year, Jerusalem Post headline. In the message to Hezbollah, IAF, Israeli aircraft practices of force, practices uh, striking 3,000 targets in 24 hours. Uh, back in the 2006 war against Hezbollah, Israel took out the, uh, Hezbollah uh, launchers um, immediately with their Air Force. But th- then again, at that point, uh, and I- I'd have to be corrected here because I don't remember the exact number, but I think in 2006, Hezbollah only had about uh, 10 to 15,000 uh, uh, missiles uh, with a lesser number of launchers here. Um, the issue is the number of launchers. And Israel has a pretty good idea of where those launchers are. And we'll see a map of that in a second. But the ability to take out those targets, 3000 is pretty impressive. Now still, um, that, still, that means that there's still going to be tens of thousands of other targets remaining uh, for uh, future days if the conflict lasts more than 24 hours. Nobody knows how long a conflict will last. Um, the the war in 2006, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it lasted 34 days. It seemed it was seemed to have seemed to have escalated uh, because of the way it was fought, um, in large part because I think the Israelis were unprepared for that type of war. Uh, but they have learned a lot of lessons since that war. On the left side you can see the fact that they have or about to acquire 50 f-35s which are the most advanced aircraft in the world bar none absolutely amazing aircraft um they can do everything but cook you breakfast in the morning and they probably can do that as well um they have 50 f-15s and and they've got up to 300 f-16 so they've got a pretty pretty good air force and they have amazing amazingly talented pilots, as you know. So um, given the fact that they have the capability of of striking 3,000 targets in 24 hours, that that is a message to Hezbollah about what a uh, preemptive attack could do. Let's move on. Okay, so let's say Hezbollah decided that they were going to do a surprise attack. And uh, as Israeli intelligence um, has has determined, um, at some point in the last few years, uh, given the fact that those tunnels were built with the purpose of carrying out uh, a surprise ground attack of capturing uh, communities in the north, there is no doubt that Hezbollah has contemplated that. In the recent, in the recent year and last year, uh, Nasrallah has given interviews saying that he is not interested in a war with Israel, but um, Nasrallah's word veracity isn't something that I would uh, put any money on. Um, though it is interesting that after the 2006 war given the amount of destruction that the Lebanese infrastructure suffered as a result of the war, Nasrallah did give several interviews saying, had he known about the amount of destruction that would have, Hezbollah and and the Lebanese uh, 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 infrastructure, civilian infrastructure would have suffered, uh, he would not have uh, instigated that war, which he did by the surprise attack on the patrol on the northern border, in which uh, two reservists were kidnapped and killed, as you know. And then the Israelis uh, uh, tried to uh, uh, limit that war in the beginning by seeing if they could capture the squad of Hezbollah that had captured the two reservists. That didn't work, and then slowly escalated over the next two weeks into a major ground war. The Hezbollah capabilities are more in their, in their uh, missiles, but they do have UAVs, uh, which is supplied by Iran, and they're also manufactured themselves. Uh, they have some tanks and they have anti-tank missiles. Uh, the only question is um, whether the new Israeli uh, anti-tank missiles um, are able, sorry about that, are able to, Okay, okay. Yes, I can see that. Um, Whether the anti the new system of anti Israel, very sophisticated anti tank missiles that the Israelis are actually selling to the United States are capable of neutralizing uh, the anti tank missiles by the uh, Hezbollah and um, it's an open question. Next slide, we're going to move very quickly right now. Okay um this is the hamas rocket range Uh, we've already gone over it again it it shows you the the lethality of the hamas range keep going okay so summary you know again worst case scenario again that's what we're talking about one possibility surprise attack by hezbollah the other possibility israel says you know we can't live under this threat of Uh, uh, of a a guillotine any longer. We're gonna strike Hezbollah now while we can because it's only gonna get worse. The other possibility is just an unplanned escalation. Something happens up in the North and it just grows over a series of hours or days or there's a multi-front war against Israel. Uh, In any case, there's gonna be a lot of casualties and a lot of carnage no matter what, unless it's limited in the very beginning or unless deterrence works and and I myself am rather cynical about the notion of deterrence working with actors like Nasrallah or Hamas. Okay let's open up for questions.
0: No, thank you so much. So the first question we have in is what is Hezbollah's ultimate goal goal, and is there a possibility that Hezbollah and Israel coming to some kind of agreement?
1: well, Hezbollah's stated goal is, is the same as, as Iran's, which is the destruction of the, the Zionist state uh, without any compromise whatsoever. Um, I don't see them changing that goal at all. The, the only thing stopping Hezbollah right now is the, is the fact that the Israelis have a more powerful military than Hezbollah or are able to uh, carry out uh, damage against the Lebanese infrastructure for which Hezbollah will be blamed for. Um, do I see, look, it's the same question you could ask about Hamas versus Israel. Um, Hamas may be a little bit more pragmatic because they depend upon Israel for its survival, but, uh, uh, but Hezbollah today right now is suffering, well, Lebanon is suffering the worst economic uh, debacle in its history. The the Lebanese uh, economy has suffered, uh, the its the currency has been devalued by up to 90% just in the last year alone. It's on the verge of a total economic collapse and Hezbollah is being blamed for it. And it, historically, well, at least as far as I know, uh, ever since Hezbollah has been implanted there, I have never seen as much resent, popular resentment against Hezbollah. So there, there might be even an opportunity for an uprising against Hezbollah. But again, then again, Hezbollah has a lot of toys, meaning weapons. So, and they're not going to leave voluntarily. So I, 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 I don't see a peaceful resolution here.
0: Well, you preempted my next question. To what extent do you think Lebanon's deteriorating domestic situation deters Hezbollah from seeking conflict with Israel in the near
1: term? I think there is a deterrent effect. I think that it's a good question. I, I, think, I think that uh, the fact that uh, Hezbollah was blamed for the port of Beirut blast in, on, in August of 2020, because it, it operated the port. It owned the, the, the containers, that can, the ammonium nitrate. Uh, and I can tell you that with almost near certainty that it owned the ammonium nitrate that exploded because a lot of it was being siphoned off over the years to Syria for the barrel bombs and the likelihood is that the ammonium nitrate had been used for uh, uh, intended for uh, against Israel and so um, but the, the, the deterioration uh, of the economy has been uh, absolutely so destructive to the Uh, lives of of most Lebanese that there have been uh, massive demonstrations against Hezbollah, uh, not just by Christians, but by uh, Sunnis all over the country and by uh, a fair number of Shiites. I know when I I was doing a story about the destruction, but by the port of Beirut explosion, I interviewed Lebanese generals, four stars and two stars in the Lebanese army and Sunni generals and they were very bitter about his. They wanted them out immediately. Uh, I also interviewed several uh, Shiite leaders uh, who spoke off the record, but they said they wanted Hezbollah out also. They blamed Hezbollah for the destruction of the Lebanese economy since they were so corrupt. Um, and uh, recently a uh, the main Lebanese Uh, the main Hezbollah bank was hacked, and the identities of the main account holders was leaked, and it showed even more corruption of what uh, the Hezbollah was doing to the economy. So I think the the question is a great question. I think this has had a, a deterring effect on Nasrallah's intentions.
0: Understood. Thank you. Would any other countries come to the aid of Israel if this worst case scenario were to happen other than the US? For example, are Egypt and Jordan likely to remain quiet if an attack comes from Lebanon
1: and Syria? I it's a good question. I, I doubt I don't know that I don't think that Jordan would. Uh, as far as Egypt, um, the the only ability of Egypt possibly would be the Egyptian Navy, but I don't know that they would come in in support, uh, nor, nor do I think the Israelis would need it. Um, the only area that the Israelis would need, possibly need uh, assistance would either be if the their supplies ran out, as they did run out in previous wars, and they needed the US to resupply them. Um, either in missiles or ordnance, uh, or if they suffered a serious setback and they needed uh, some tactical assistance by uh, fighter aircraft. And that really, I think the only country that would assist Israel, I don't think the Europeans uh, would ever lift a finger to help Israel. I think only the US would.
0: Thank you. As What red line crossed by Hezbollah would cause Israel to preemptively attack them? And is there any scenario you can envision which would result in Israel using nuclear weapons to take out some or all of the missiles and some enemies have aimed at it?
1: Well, that may be beyond my pay grade. Um, So I I appreciate the question. Um, I I don't know that I'm, uh, I don't know anybody has the answer about the, the latter question about a nuclear weapon, but uh, Israel has always stated that they're not gonna be the first to introduce them. The problem is that if they are the second, if they use it as the, uh, a, a second strike, that means they've already suffered a, a fatal first blow. So um, you know, I, that, that's a, it's a question that almost answers itself. Um, I, I think there are other steps, however, today that can be used before a nuclear bomb is used there is EMP, which can um, can take out the the, the, the uh, electrical grid of an entire country without the destructive power of a nuclear weapon. Um, and, and that's something uh, that I, I'm not saying the Israelis are considering or have, or have the capability. I'm just suggesting that that is something that is far less destructive. That other countries within the tech, same technical capabilities that Israel have uh, are certainly have considered if they if their existence was ever threatened by a neighboring enemy. Um, the red line is a good question um, because um, the the issue for Israel is is one. Uh, the hezbollah threat today is an existential threat there's no doubt about it but hezbollah also knows that for them it's an existential threat so there we have the 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 same doctrine of mad mutual assured destruction that kept that was deterrence that kept the peace between the soviet the russians and the united states for so many years each one was afraid to to launch an attack because they knew what would happen afterwards. Now, having said that, um, there are other scenarios in which, um, you know, there, there could be a, a much smaller attack, let's say, um, by Hezbollah in kidnapping, um, a, invading the north, a northern community, a kibbutz or a small town on the north. Remember, they're right on the border Literally on the border, you look at the maps. Um, and uh, if there's a tunnel that has not been discovered by Israel, uh, although the Israelis think they have discovered all tunnels, uh, they use that tunnel um, and they kidnap and kill, you know, uh, 30 or 40 uh, Israelis. Uh, that could start a war, not necessarily a war that would be an all out. A scenario war that is a worst case scenario war could start out as a limited war but I think as any military tactician knows you can't control the outcome of a limited war once it starts um, if it escalates into areas where it causes serious casualties one side or another or it 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 um it ends up uh, threatening, let's say, existentially. Um, let's say Israel. Then Israel would be required uh, by its citizens to protect them. So it would have to take it to the next tier. Again, this is all speculation, and I know that it, you know it's it's easy to speculate, but I've been in years past when I uh, was a consultant to the Pentagon. Um, uh, I remember game scenarios, game warring, where they're actual gaming out scenarios in different regions of the world. And I participated in game scenarios with Israel against uh, its, some of its neighbors, particularly against uh, Hamas, Islamic Jihad, against Iran, and against uh, Hezbollah. And the scenarios were range from best case scenario to worst case and included nuclear bombs and included just tactical weapons as well. They all have to be included in any type of uh, defense planning. And I don't wanna pretend that I have the answers here because nobody has those answers. Once some type of military hostilities break out, you never know where it's going to lead.
0: Understood. So our last question of the day is, how much confidence do you have that the Biden administration would actually get involved if Iran attacked Israel, or in this case, Hezbollah's worst case scenario as well?
1: Uh, isn't there a commercial right now? No, I'm kidding. Okay. Um, how much confidence I, I... I think that, first of all, Israel has always said that it um, does not want Uh, foreign uh, or American, uh, you know, fighters or rely on American uh, depend on American defense, it can fight its own wars. Um, And in fact, um, the the only 1973 war was the only war when Israel needed a resupply. Uh, of weapons uh, when uh, a lot of its planes got shot out of the sky in the first days uh, against uh, by the Egyptian uh, uh, SAM missile defense system supplied by the Russians. Having said that, um, um, the only question I would say that if Israel's existential, um, um, let's say existentially was a, an issue was an issue and its uh, leaders asked for the assistance, I I would think that the I I have no doubt that a Biden administration would assist, but it would it would require, you know, a configuration on the battlefield in which Israel really felt that it was seriously threatened existentially. And uh, I don't know that I can see a scenario at this point that Israel would be put in that position.
0: Thank you so much. And real quick before we go, can you tell us where we can find some more of your work?
1: Yes, you can, you can find, um, well, you can do two things. You can go to our website and it's listed uh, on the screen. Um, it's, it's called the investigative project on terrorism, but I'll spell it out. It's www.investigativeproject.org. But if you wanna get our newsletter or emails and we send out emails about uh, Islamic terrorism, about um, the effects of is uh, of terrorist financing, uh, money laundering, also about uh, uh, Islamic reformism, um, a whole spectrum of pretty good articles. Um, I think I can say that uh, uh, I had learned a lot from my mentor, Daniel Pipes, uh, and uh, he taught us well. And um, so we, we give Middle East Forum a good run for their money. So if you want to get our newsletter and emails, all you need to do is send an email to stopterror, S-T-O-P-T-E-R-R-O-R at AOL.com and say, please subscribe me and we'll subscribe you free of charge. No problem.
0: All right. Thank you so much. We've come to the close of our webinar. Thank you again, Mr. Emerson, for taking time to speak with us today.
1: You're welcome, Stacey.
0: For our viewers and listeners, please be on the lookout for our weekly webinar offerings. Oh, my apologies. It's actually, we will not be having webinars next week. (laughs) I forgot to update that. Uh, Thank you all for joining us and I hope you have a wonderful day. We'll start
1: back up the following Monday. Have a good one.